like to welcome everybody from Bangladesh. Okay. See, it's hard when you're trying to get Chassidus um, to penetrate into the darkness of Bangladesh. There's a lot of klipa on the way. It just doesn't, doesn't let you. Now we have someone who plays piano very seriously. He can play Pada Bashalam very well on the piano. Okay, we said there were three different levels of Pada Bashalam. Shleimah Melech, because Sholem Hayabayamov, which is why he's called Shleimah. First Kuf, and then, and then the Rebbe said Yemeza Mashiach, Bechalal. But then the Rebbe divided Yemeza Mashiach into two Tkufes, right? The, the first Kuf of Yemeza Mashiach, which is basically a, a political reality. There's a base of Migdash. That, that, I mean, there's also a, a spiritual reality, but basically there's a base of Migdash. We have a Melech, people aren't bothering us. And when it says that the Zev, and the keves, that the, the the wolf and the lamb are laying together, that at that point, that's still only what the Rebbe referred to as a, as a, a mushal and a chida, meaning it's simply a parable for the nations of the world, the zev, the, the wolf, and us, the lamb, lying together, meaning we're in a state of peace. That's the first kuf of Yemes Mashiach. The second kuf of Yemes Mashiach, Elam HaTchia, the world of Tchiyas Amesim. So at that time, all of nature will change. And indeed, the 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 Arya Yechel Tevin, the Arya Kabaka Yechel Tevin, the lion, just like the cattle, will eat straw, meaning the Zev and Taka sit with the Kevis in Pashtus. The wool and the lamb will sit together. That was Eisal. You know, his base. The Rebbe explained uh, again the 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 idea of of uh, the notion of Pada B'Shalom, and in Aveda, Pada B'Shalom is expressed through what? What's the Aveda of Menucha? Uh, learning. Learning Torah, right? Because the beer you bring about through learning Torah is Ba'ifin Shal Menucha, and you don't have to encounter the reality that you're elevating by virtue of learning about it. You're sitting in one place, and that reality is somewhere else. You might be learning about a thief stealing money and having to pay kefal. You're elevating that level of reality by virtue of learning about it in the Torah because the Torah is holy and you've elevated it to a state of elokus. That's called a bitter beif and shel menucha. What's the other beer that the Rabbi talked about yesterday? Tefillah. And that's a war. Shas tzleisa, shas krova. Time of davening is a time of battle. What's the battle? I'm running out of these. I made more today, but I'm running out. What's the battle that you have to be when you daven? So the nefesh elokis, which is what wants the daven, your godly soul is interested in davening, but it has to be mislavish completely and totally in your nefesh abhamis. It has to encounter your nefesh abhamis directly by virtue of the fact that davening is getting my nefesh abhamis to tell the Kaddish Baruch that I love him. And that's not easy, because my nefesh abhamis might not love him. My nefesh abhamis certainly loves me, but might not love him. Right. Okay, so to get my Nefesh is to express its, its devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a battle, and that's davening, and that's why concentration is da- in davening is so hard, and we talked about that at length yesterday. Okay, Gimu. Behine. Bahabirur de Torah. Regarding the rectification of reality that comes about as a result of Torah, Yeshchiluk, there's a difference. Behin habirur shal yedei gal de Torah. Through the rectification that comes, a, as a, uh, uh, comes about as a result of learning Nigla, Meaning, Gemara, Halacha, Lahabidur, Shayadei, Panimi, Satara. Relative to the Bira that comes through learning Panimi, Satara, Chsidis. 
the Bahabirur, meaning now within Torah itself, we're, we're, we're dividing Torah into two different pieces. So that's very, very interesting, right? Because originally, what did we say? There's three different states of Padah B'Shalom. Shleim Melech, the first Kufa of Yimei Mashiach, and the second Kufa of Yimei Mashiach. Then we said that in Avedah, there's two different levels. There's a level of Birur B'Milchama, and then there's a level of Birur B'Shalom. And that's learning Torah. Now, within learning Torah, we're going to talk about so far two levels. How many levels might we think we're going to end up with? Three. Three. Since we've talked about three in the rel- in relationship to uh, periods in history, so we'll end up, we'll see that there's going to be three different levels of the Birur B'Sholem that's brought about through Torah. So let's see. In Torah, the first different state of differentiation is the difference between learning nigla and learning panemius satara, learning chassidus. Right? I remember a friend of mine years ago in yeshiva used to say that we call nigla nigla, the revealed Torah, and panemius is called often chokhmas and nister, the, the, hidden, the hidden Torah. Right? It's really the other way around. Where is God revealed? Chassidus. Where is God hidden? In Gemara. A person can learn a page of Gemara and not think about the oh Taka is that gonna I don't know we'll see what happens I don't Mordechai you're slow on the draw today let's see what happens I miss Isaiah yeah yeah you need to let's see what oh, I'm still alive this is why I didn't do SoundCloud the whole time boss we're gonna very very happy I didn't have to worry about it Nigla people can sit and learn Gemara all day and not think one moment about a Kaddish Baruch completely concealed in there. It's all him. That's what we learned about already yesterday in the mind. Learning Torah, it's all him. So the biru brought about through learning Torah is b'menucha, because here you are imposing God on the physical reality you're discussing in the Torah. Why? Because the Torah is the Ebishtah. But that's completely hidden in Nigla. So a person can learn Gemara and think that he's doing something. You know, yesterday when we talked about people thinking that, that intellect is learning Torah and learning biology are the same. They're not going to think that if they're learning chassidus because they're talking about God. They might think that if they're learning if they're learning nigla. They're, well, you know, it's just intellect. I remember hearing once someone who was rather chassidically challenged describing Gemara as intellectual push-ups. If you take God out of learning Gemara, then yes, it's intellectual push-ups. If you put God into learning Torah, then it's a little more than intellectual push-ups. It's but it's hidden. But we still call it Galia de Torah, the revealed Torah, because that was the Torah that was revealed first. The Bitter Shal Yadei Limud Galia de Torah. Tsarch Lies must be Halimud. I'm sorry. Yeah. The Bitter Shal Yadei Limud Galia de Torah. Tsarch Lies Halimud Binyonim Elishatzrichim Levarra. The Limud is directly about those things that have to be elevated. Meaning you're talking about physical reality. That's what Nigla talks about. Property law, how to marry a woman. You might even learn how to divorce her in the context of learning how to marry her. All sorts of things that are very much involved in life in the physical world. Amongst the reasons, the fact that the Torah is clothed in physical things, meaning the Torah discusses those physical things, and those physical things are part and parcel of the Torah itself. And not only physical things, but <coughs> even forbidden things, 
Because the Torah doesn't just talk about what's mutter, it also talks about what's osur. The, the Torah will discuss a virus. The Torah will discuss, as we said earlier, Ruven stealing from Shimon. Okay, so on one hand, obviously that's a completely different beer than the beer of, of Tfilah, because I, there's, no, there's no direct contact with the thief. On the other hand, I'm still talking about a level of reality that's contrary to Lakusa at a certain level, even though it's part of the Torah. Va'ad, to such an extent that what else is included in the Torah? A tiny shalsheka. Claims that are lies. People, the Torah talks all the time about people in Beistin making a claim, and that claim happens to not be true. Sheker. Even the Torah is absolute emis, but that claim is sheker. And yet that tiny of sheker is part of the emis of the Torah. Who? Why is that? Why is all that included in the Torah? Who bichdei lifo habirur that is in order to bring about an elevation and a rectification, also in these levels of reality. The Torah touches the lowest levels of reality and elevates them. Now that doesn't mean that elevating stealing or elevating lying, but elevating the state of reality where those things are possible, which is the physical world. And that which the rectification. That, through, that, that, that happens through the revealed Torah, meaning, as we said yesterday, learning Torah and imposing Torah on that state of reality such that that state of reality is elevated, even though you haven't encountered that state of reality. You've just learned about it. You're sitting in the comfort of your place in the base medrash, in the zal, and you're learning about something yeah, positive, negative. It depends on what it happens to be. Nikra b'shem bidur b'derech menucha. That is still called a bidur, as we learned yesterday, b'derech menucha. That it happens calmly. Again, as we learned yesterday, that you're not encountering directly the negative reality. Whereas when you daven, you are encountering, you're encountering directly your Nefesh Bahamis, And that's why it's a battle. Your Nefesh Bahamis is the one that has to daven. Right? Whereas, as we, so, so then, then why is it that, isn't that your Nefesh is also the one learning? It's human intellect learning. So why is that not a battle? We talked about it yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's natural. Hmm? Natural well, it's completely natural for a human being to enjoy learning something, find learning interesting. It doesn't have to encounter all the negative aspects of reality. He happens to have a seichel, he has an intellect, and intellect finds ideas interesting. What if the idea is elokus? Okay, so that I'm elevating reality. What if the idea is, I don't know, something very human? So I'm not elevating reality. No. I'm, it, it, it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy it and it's not interesting and it, it might even be it might even be parts of it are true, right? It's just not Torah, so I'm not elevating reality as powerfully as I am when I'm sitting and learning Torah. If I'm sitting and learning Torah, so then the Torah is discussing a certain state of reality, and by virtue of me discussing that state of reality as it appears in the Torah on a page in Baba Kama, so then that level of reality is elevated by virtue of its, its encounter with the Torah. But I don't have to encounter it directly. And that's called a biru b'derech menucha. It's calm. What am I doing? I'm doing what humans like to do. What do humans like to do? What does a nefesh Bahamis like to do? Learn. Why? Because it has seichel. It has intellect. Right? So it'll learn all sorts of things. I mean, sometimes it'll learn stupid things. Right? It might find it interesting. That's still of no value whatsoever. Right? It can look up the world high jump record and find it interesting. Oh, isn't that interesting? Someone high jumped, I don't know, whatever, 
nine foot eight. I don't know. I can't imagine they've hit nine feet yet, but whatever. Okay, so is that interesting? That's interesting. Oh, it's interesting. Why? Well, because when I was a kid, it was two feet, and now it's eight feet. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, but it doesn't affect the world in any positive way, shape, or form. Completely irrelevant. Right? Okay, what if that information were in the Torah? Exactly the same information. Now it's Elokos. Now it's God. So it elevates reality by virtue of imposing that godliness and that state of reality. Okay, high jumping isn't in the Torah. So why is all sorts of bizarre reality part of the Torah? Because that level of reality can be elevated by virtue of the fact that it's now part of the Torah. The Torah touches every aspect of life in Elam Hazah, therefore every aspect of life in Elam Hazah can be elevated. <coughs> that those parts touched by the Torah. Even these things, Devarim Asurim, things that are forbidden, Vagam Taina Shal claims that are lies, means someone making a claim in Basin that's a lie, right? Because the Gemara talks very often about Ruvain coming and saying such and such, and Shimon coming and saying such and such. Well, one of them's lying because they're disagreeing about exactly the same event. Ruvain says, I lent you $100 and you didn't pay me back, and Shimon says, I did pay you back. Well, one of them's not telling the truth. Now, is he lying because he's a creep and a lowlife? No, it might be he made a mistake, but it's still not true. What he said is Sheker, it's not true. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy, right? But what he's saying is not true. Right? Okay. And yet that's part of Torah. That claim is part of a Mishnah in Bab Metziah. Amazing. Kamei Shem because these things are elevated by virtue of the fact that they are part of Torah. Him Torah. They're part of Torah. Torah Zemis. The Torah of absolute truth. And since even these aspects, these things that exist in the Torah, they're the word of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And what, is, what do we say about that? Right? My words are like fire. And Chazal explained, that's a Pusik. <coughs> In Yirmiyahu and Chazal explain what is it, why does the Kaddish Baruch Hu compare his words to words to, to fire? So Chazal say, Ma eish tuma av tuma. Fire can't be fit, can't be ritually defiled. There's no such thing as a state of tuma relative to fire. There's nothing there, so to speak. Right? Oh, so why are the words of Torah compared to fire? Because just like fire. Physical fire can't be makabel tumah, can't become physically defiled, so too the Torah. Can't become physically mean the Torah is lamaila mean the it's beyond any state of tumah. Even though, interestingly enough, what might the Torah spend a great deal of time discussing? Tumah. Talks about tumah and Torah all over. Right? I mean, the written Torah, large sections of the written Torah deal with tumah and Torah. Right? And relatively large sections of, of Tarshabal Pet. Not as large as the Torah. Why? Well, because a lot of the Tum and Torah that's discussed in the Torah isn't relevant in Gullus, and Talmud Bavli was written in Gullus, and so a lot of the laws aren't discussed directly in Talmud Bavli. So there's all sorts of Masechtas, there's all sorts of tractates in Sefer Torah that, aren't, that have no Gemara. Why? Well, it's not relevant, just like there's all sorts of, uh, all sorts of tractates in, in Sefer Zeroim, in, in the, the, the first book of Mishnah, which talks about agricultural law here in Eretz Yisrael. So there's no Gemara, much of that, most of that. Why? So that's what they were talking about in Babel. 
Right? Why not? They weren't bringing Trumas and Maisus and Bavel, so that's obviously not what they were talking about in the base Medrash. What were they talking about in the base Medrash and Bavel? Shabbos, Pesach, property law, everything that was relevant to life in Bavel. That's what was being discussed, because Torah is relevant. Right? What wasn't relevant? Trumas and Maisus. Does it come up? Lots. It comes up all the time in discussion and quoting Mishnayis and quoting Baraisas in the context of discussions about other things. But is there a tractate truma in Mishnah? Meseches trumais? Yes. Is there a tractate Meseches trumais in Talmud Bavli? No. Is there in Talmud Yerushalmi? Yes. Why? Where was Talmud Yerushalmi written? Israel. Eretz Israel. What were they doing? Trumas Isis. So they were talking about it. Right. So there's a tractate. Right. In Talmud Yerushalmi. I learned this page now, huh? I didn't mean to do that. Okay. <coughs> so even though all of these states of Hepecha Emes and Hepecha Tara and all these states that are <coughs> the opposite of truth and the opposite of holiness, it seems, exist. They exist. They, 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 they are part of the Torah. So ultimately they're elevated. Not that they don't become holy. But that state of reality is elevated and rectified and illuminated by virtue of it becoming part of the Torah, being part of the Torah. The Torah is always in its place and on its level, meaning even if the Torah discusses something completely mundane, it's still Torah, it's still Elokuz, it's still a Kodesh Baruch Davar Hashem, Vabirur, and therefore, the rectification of that state of reality and the person learning the Torah, because their Nevesh of Amis is also recti- rectified and elevated by virtue of the fact that they're involving the intellect of their Nevesh of Amis in learning God. They're encountering a Kodesh Baruch on the page. Therefore, the Bidur is like we said yesterday. Consequential. Meaning it just happens. You don't have to do anything. Just learn Baba Kama. What are you doing? You're elevating large chunks of reality. Are you encountering those chunks of reality? No. You're sitting very calmly in a base medrash, in a, in a, in a chair that you might even find comfortable. And if you're Michi, you probably have your own pillow. And, 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 and you got, which is good. There's nothing wrong with having your own pillow. And, and I used to have a pillow. We used to have wooden chairs. Wooden chairs were very, very hard on people with not a lot of flesh on that part of their body. They're, they're, you know, they're built like this, so there's not, it's like, you know, straight to the bone. So a bunch of us had these little, thin little pillows that had strings. We used to be able to tie them to the chair. So, and then we had the same chair. And like they moved around all the time. You had your chair in Zala, it was just there. It sat there forever. A pillow, I had a pillow. <clears throat> and you have your cup of tea next to you, or your cup of coffee. Right? Hopefully, not too many cups of coffee. Right? Okay. And 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 you're sitting across from your chevrusa. And what are you discussing? Something that's happening in some conceptual place far away from you. A guy named Ruvain and a guy named Shimon are having some legal hassle over a piece of land. Right? Nowhere near you. Okay. What are you doing? Elevating every aspect of that reality which you're talking about. 
Why? Because it's in the Torah. That's, you're sitting in front of the Talmud Bavli, and that's all. It's just Elokus. It's Pashat the Ebishter. That's what Talmud Bavli is. It's God. It's unbelievable. You want a revelation of God? Open up a safe in Torah, and there's God all over the place. Oh, in certain places, he's concealed. Okay. So therefore, what you're dealing with directly is physical reality. There's other parts of Torah, and that's what the Rebbe is going to talk about now, where you're not dealing with physical reality, you're dealing with godly reality. It's called Panimius Torah, Chassidus. God's revealed. Right? Of uh, he should be well. So he said that, uh, he once said that, you know, learning Nigla, a person could learn Gemara, and he could become a Balgaiva. He could get a little too impressed by himself, by his own intellect. Uh, he says, you know, it's not good, but it happens. As a matter of fact, the Rebbe Shab wrote a whole sefer called Kuntur Seitzachayim, where he discusses how to avoid that and why, why we learn Hasidus before davening and Hasidus at the end of the day, sandwiching <coughs> the nigla that's learned in the middle of the day. The Rebbe describes the, the order of the day in Tamim in those days. It's slightly different today. <coughs> but the basic structure, chsidis, nigla chsidis. The reason we do that is that we won't, we won't fall prey to the fact that nigla, the Gemara, learning halacha, learning Gemara, is called by the Gemara, sama mavis. It can be a potion of death. It's also called Samachayim. It could also be a potion of life, but it can be a potion of death. Why? Well, because since it deals with physicality so powerfully and, it, and it's so intellectual, a person could get very impressed with themselves and their own intellectual <laughs> status and actually learning Torah could, should, could, could theoretically push them farther away from God than, than they were before because they become more impressed with themselves and they don't even think about a Kodesh Baruch they're just so impressed with their own intellect. Possible. Right. The Rebbe Shav wrote a book describing that reality and explaining that's why the day in Tamimim looks like it looks. Right. Worth, worth reading. Right. Okay. So, so uh, actually, if you're at the Chasna, so you got one. <laughs> so, so, uh, so the the the, the Rebbe Steinzold said. So, if a person is a Balgaiva, he becomes very impressed with himself. He becomes haughty because he learns Nigla. Okay, so he's bigger than he should be, but it's, it, you can explain it. He's like a pregnant woman. She's bigger than she should be, but you can explain it. I'll be ever why she's a little bigger than she should be. It happens. Right. He said someone who learns chassidus and becomes impressed by his knowledge in chassidus, therefore becomes a balgaiva, becomes someone a little too impressed with themselves. He said he's like a pregnant man. He's bigger than he should be, and there's no explanation whatsoever. <laughs> How can you learn about God all day and think you're great? <laughs> so, what's chsidis? Elokos. What are you encountering while you're sitting in the same chair on the same pillow with the same cup of tea? Elokos. Directly. There's no tainus shel sheker. No one's in based in line. No one's in based in because they stole. That's not what happened. It might be quoted now and then as a mushal for some Indian in Ruchnias. What are you encountering? Elokus, different levels of Elokus. You learned Bazi Lagani. What did you encounter in the first parak of Bazi Lagani? A, a very clear lesson on Arba Elamis. That you should know the difference between Atsilas Bri, Atsir Asiya. That you should know the difference between Mamale and Sevev. If you, don't, if you finish the first parak of, 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 of Bazi Lagani, you don't know the difference between Mamale and Sevev. You didn't learn the first parak of Bazi Lagani. 
Right, Baruch Hashem, we just finished it, and you guys did pretty well in explaining the difference between Mamale and Seviv on Sunday, well, Thursday. Right, okay. What's Mamale? God. What's Seviv? God. Okay, that's what you learn about. Not Ruven and Shimon. The Abiru Shal Yedei Gal I'm sorry. Yeah, Ella. Shafa PK, nevertheless. Ein Zed Doime, this is not similar. The Biru of Gal of Nigla. Lahabiru to that rectification. Shal Yedei Pnimi that comes as a result of Pnimi Learning Chesidus. That in the rectification of reality, which is real, it happens, it's amazing, it's incredible. And even in the even in 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 the 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 yeshiva that puts such an emphasis on learning chassidus, what 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 did the Rebbe Shab say? Two hours of chassidus in the morning. The, the schedule was seven thirty to nine thirty chassidus, twelve to eight nigla. And then nine to eleven chesidus. That was the that was the schedule in Tem Chetimimim in Lubavitch. Nine, seven o'clock. The Rebbe talks about all of this in the in the Maimer, <coughs> in the in the Kuntras. It's a letter that he wrote to the Tamimim explaining their day. Nine. Seven o'clock was tea. <laughs> they could have some tea. Right, and then seven thirty chesidus till when? Nine thirty. Then davening and having a meal until twelve o'clock. <coughs> 12 to 8, Nigla. In the summer, Mincha would be at 8 o'clock. In the winter, you're somewhere in the middle there, middle, so about 2.30, you'd have to daven, you'd have to daven Mincha. Right? Mincha would be in the middle. An hour break, right? To, to, to relax, or relax, I don't know whether they ever relaxed in Lubavitch, but whatever they did, right, they would have to eat something if they had something to eat, or they would do whatever they had to do. And then 9 to 11 was Chassidus. And the Rebbe writes that if someone finds going to sleep at 11 too hard to get up and be ready for, for chassidus at 7.30, so then he can learn from 8 to 10 chassidus and go to sleep early. Meaning don't take the break between the 8 hours of nigla and the 2 hours of chassidus. Just don't have a break. He could learn from 8 to 10. That was the easy way out. No holiday. That when Bachur came to Temkhetimim in those days, he wasn't allowed out of the yeshiva for two years. No Shabbos off, no Yom off, nothing. Seder, every day. Chalamayad, there wouldn't be Seder. Other than that, every single day there was Seder. For two years. Right. Once, uh, I mean, someone I know, of Lazer Nanis, who was... Uh, when, when, when I was younger, so all of us attached ourselves to some chassid who learned in Lubavitch. Because we, you know, it was just like part of your education was to hang out with someone like that and ask, what was it like learning? And they're unfortunately all gone. But what was it like learning in Lubavitch? Shabbat Lubavitch, you know, to, to people who learned the, the, the Friedrich Rebbe was the Rosh Hashiva and the Rebbe Shab was the Rebbe. Those people were, were the people who established the Lubavitch that we have today. And it was their mysterious Nefesh that kept it alive in Russia through everything that went on. So, so Laser once told us, we, we asked him, you know, it was hard. He said, yes, it was very hard. He once went to the Rebbe Shab with a group of Hasidim, a group of Tamimim, and asked the Rebbe, why is it so hard? This is about 1915 in Goyesh. Right? So anybody with a sense of history understands what 1915 means in Russia. What does 1915 mean in Russia? World War I. Okay, World War I. What else? It's cold. It's cold. It's always cold. Yes, I'm going to Hadditch in 10 days. I looked up the temperature in Hadditch. It's minus 6 today. Right? Pogroms, okay, but that's that has nothing to do with 1915. That's just existential. No, what's about to happen? 
revolution is happening in two years, right? Okay. And the whole world is going to be turned upside down. All right, okay. So what did the Rebbe Shab tell them? Hmm? He said, strange winds are blowing. Right? And you're going to have to exhibit unbelievable self-sacrifice in order to deal with the strange winds that are blowing. And I don't know what word the Rebbe Shab used, but the word that Rav Nanis used, I can't imagine the Rebbe Shab used the word. I don't know where Rav Nanis found the word, but anyway, so Rav Nanis said, he was speaking to us in Hebrew, he said, boot camp This is your boot camp. Now how in the world, he ever heard the word boot camp, I don't know, but he said, this is your boot camp. This is your basic training. I mean, if you can make it through this, God will be so real for you that nothing will ever obliterate your vision of God, even the darkness of the communists. And they made it. Right? Rav Nana said that people he learned in yeshiva with, 90% of them were killed by Stalin in his camps. 90% of them died in Siberia. Right? But not one of them stopped keeping Shabbos and eating kosher food. Said so not one guy. That's what he claimed. I, I don't know whether it's right statistic nuts. I don't know, but that's what he told us constantly. Not one guy that he went to yeshiva with stopped keeping Torah and mitzvahs in the face of communist darkness. Not one. Why? Because Elokus was so real to them. <laughs> what are you going to do? Cut off your head to save your life? It's a funny way to save your life, isn't it? Cut off your head and I'll let you live. Well, that's what if you. Someone says, be Mechal Shabbos and I'll let you live. That's what they're saying to you. If God's real, if God is just an interesting concept and you're volunteering, you're volunteering to, be, to keep Shabbos and volunteering to eat kosher and volunteering to do all these things that we volunteer to do so that I might stop volunteering if I can't live within the... Con- but if, if that's what life is, and that is what life is, that's what reality is, reality is Elokus, so then... Yeah, someone comes and says, you, you know, you're going to have to go to work on Shabbos or I'll kill you, so then there's not much of a question. It's literally saying, well, you know, if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't let me cut off your head, I'm going to kill you. Well, so I guess cut off my head. I mean, there's not much difference, is there? And they didn't. They, 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 they just didn't give in. And that's why we're still here, because those guys didn't give in. <laughs> right? They're still Lubavitch, they're still Yiddish guy, Baruch Hashem. <coughs> what was a Frum Jew called in 1930 in Russia? Sure. Not that they all were, but what? A Schneersonist. Now, they weren't all Schneersonistim. They weren't all Lubavitch or Hasidim. But Lubavitch was so powerfully the force that wouldn't give in. And the, the Hasidim of that man named Schneerson, who they couldn't stand, tried to kill <coughs> Frieda Garebi. That his, his opposition to them was so powerful that they called a from Jewish Nersonist. Even though there were, there were, there were non Lubavitchers who stayed from Baruch Hashem, lots. But that's what a from, which is the ultimate complement to the Friedrich Rebbe, a Schneersonist. <coughs> and where'd that come from? That came from Temchit Tamimi, but interestingly enough, and why, why did we bring it up? We brought it up to say that it was two hours of two hours of chesidus, eight hours of nigla, and then two hours of chesidus. Meaning the the emphasis was still on nigla. They were learning nigla most of the day. Right now, the seder in normal Temchit Tamimi is generally an hour and a half, six and an hour and a half. That's the general seder in Lubavitch yeshivas. An hour and a half of chesidus in the morning, six hours of nigla, and then an hour and a half of chesidus. <coughs> <coughs> Someone wants to learn more of a Seder, but that's the Seder that's asked of the Bachrim generally. 
<coughs> the food's also better. So the says, "Ella, Afal As 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 much as Nigla does what it does, Pnimius does even more. The Rebbe's going to say, that the rectification that comes through learning Gemara, learning Halacha, Harizegufa, this itself gashmi. Right? The very fact that the Torah is speaking about physical things, things that are relevant to physical reality, it's still a, a descent, so to speak, meaning the Torah is descending into that state of reality. <clears throat> so it's still Torah, but Adarabba, I, I have to talk about the fact that it's still Torah, <coughs> because it's possible to lose sight of that fact. And a person can, what, what, what's, what's something that, are, that people are... Often uh, rec- uh, rec- it's recommended for people to do. Right? When you're sitting and learning Gemara, you're in Zal, you're learning Gemara for a couple of hours, okay, at some point, every now and then, close the Gemara for, for two minutes, open up Tanya, learn the fifth parak of Tanya again, so you remember exactly what it means to learn Torah, and then go back to learn Torah. Now, if it takes you two hours to learn the fifth parak of Tanya, don't do that because then you won't get any nigla done. But if it takes you three minutes because you've learned it four thousand times, so then fine. Right. What's the fifth parak in Tanya about? All about what learning Torah is. Right? What is that? That's a lukus. It's the Abishter's Rotson and the Abishter's Chachma. It's the Abishter's will and it's the Abishter's wisdom. You know what the Abishter's will is. You know what God wants? Of course you do. Right? It's written in the Torah. It tells you exactly what he wants. What I, mean, I, I, the finite being down here in Elam Haza who, who might have indigestion, I, I can actually understand something about God's will? Yes, absolutely. It's called Talmud Bavli. It's called Shulchan Aruch. I don't understand. What's the problem? It's just there on a silver platter. But but that looks so limited. Well, Kibbutzeder, what does the fifth chapter of Tanya explain? Yes, God took his in, beyond infinite and beyond uh, beyond infinite wisdom and beyond infinite uh, will, and he constricted it. He was mitzamtzim it into those halachas that exist in the Torah, and that simsum is not a diminishing. There's two levels of tzimtzum: diminishing light, so the light is less powerful. The normal understanding of tzimtzum. <coughs> so the light becomes less and less powerful, so to speak, as it emanates downward and therefore can be clothed in kainly. 100%, there's such a level of tzimtzum. There's also a level of tzimtzum, which is like taking, the, the marshal is like taking an elephant and constricting the elephant so that he fits through the, the eye of a needle. The whole elephant fits through the eye of the needle. You didn't just take a little piece of the elephant. No, no, it's the whole elephant. But you've squished him. What did God do? He took his infinite will, took that and put it into our loch in Shulchan Aruch. So you're reading a finite piece of information. What's that p- finite piece of information? Infinite elokus. That's what learning Torah is. That's why it's such a blast. Right? That's what it is. Okay. So I might have to remind myself every now and then because I get carried away with, what you know, kicha, kicha, mistei efren. So I remind myself every now and then. I, one reminds themselves every now and then. What? What does the Rebbe say is a good idea to do? 
open up the fifth parak and Tanya and learn it every now and then. So you remember what you're doing when you're sitting and learning. Okay, but it's still a yurido. You have to do that because you're descending into a state of physical reality. But after this Yerido, after this Yerido saw, sorry, its descent, and it's being drawn down Lamata below, he tatter, it's still tatter, it's the Abishter, Davar Hashem, it's the Abishter's Ratzon, it's the Abishter's Chachma. That's what learning Torah is. And not that it descends and is clothed in something else. It's not that it becomes something else. It's the Torah. It's still the Torah. On a certain level, unlike godly light, which on the deepest level obviously is still godly light, but godly light when it comes down and is clothed in physical reality, so so to speak, it becomes a coffee cup. It's not the Abishta. It's a coffee cup. Aye, the coffee cup only exists by virtue of the godly energy giving the coffee cup existence. Beside it, but don't, don't bow down to the coffee cup. Don't be silly. Torah is different. Torah is still the Abishta. The Torah and God are one. Still him. Ah, it's him in a form that's relating completely and totally to Gashmis. Okay, so in that sense, there seems to be a certain descent. Yes. But uh, Bahamas, no, it's still him. But that's Nigla. Mashain came, that which is not the case. The beer that happens as a result of Pnimis Torah? Learning Chsidis? That since the Pnimis is the Eitzachayim, and that's why that Kuntras that we mentioned is called Kuntras Eitzachayim, because the Rebbe explains there's Eitzadas Tevara, that's Nigla, and there's Eitzachayim, that's Chsidis. Right? And once you've eaten of the Eitzadas Tevara, right, in order to live forever, what can you, I mean, we weren't allowed to. It was guarded from us. But what was there that would have allowed us to still maintain eternal life? In Gan Eden, story written in Bereshus. The Eitzachayim. So the Abishter kicked us out and guarded the Eitzachayim. So what's the Eitzachayim? That which would give you eternal life. Okay, so if you eat of the Eitzadas Tevara, you should also eat of the Eitzachayim. And then the Eitzadas Tevara won't affect you negatively. It'll only affect you positively. Oh, so that's exactly what the Rebbe talks about in Kuntus Eitzachayim, that if you learn Nigla, you better learn Chsidis. Right? And if you learn Chsidis with Nigla, so then you'll learn Chsidis, you'll learn Nigla as Elokus. You'll learn Nigla properly. You'll realize it's all Elokus. Why? Well, because the learning of the Eitzachayim will sensitize you to the Elokus of Nigla. Right? So that's so important. Why, before... Very good question. The Rebbe asked the same question relative to the Svardim. Why was it that even in the time of the Baal Shem Tev, that Chassidus didn't reach the Svardim, not until the last couple of generations? So, because we didn't need it, because we had an intuitive appreciation of Elokus. Right? And then what happened? We just became dulled more and more by all the trials and tribulations of Gullus, so that without Chassidus we would just disappear and die. Right? And soon after Rebbe says, and that wasn't the case with the Svadim. Until when? Until they decided to go where the Ashkenazim are, and then they were, they were dulled and, you know, turned into pieces of ice just like the Ashkenazim. <laughs> so what do they need? Chassidus.
That's why I didn't have to learn to say this today. <coughs> they didn't have to learn to say this 100 years ago. They had that. They had it. Meet the old star. They've got it. Right? It's just TV. They're just, you know, Elokus is something they're just connected to. They're varmiyidin. They're warm. They're vibrant. Not like the Ashkenazim. That kind of Yiddish guy. It's a guy who shows up in our shul every now and then. He's a Lubavitcher chassid, but he's got you know he's got issues about making sure that everybody behaves as well as he thinks they're supposed to behave. So he's busy always banging the table and shing everybody. So finally, it, the last people went up there. Said, Look, you know, you can, you're more than happy that you come to the shul now and then. But can you stop with your you know shh? Someone will be talking during Kaddish. You're not allowed to talk during Kaddish. Don't talk during Kaddish. Don't be an idiot. It says in Shulchan Aruch, don't talk during Kaddish. So don't talk during Kaddish. That's all. You see someone talking during Kaddish, or maybe they're even a rabbi. That doesn't mean they're right. Don't talk during Kaddish. It's a din in Shulchan Aruch. When Kaddish is being said, you don't talk. Okay? Nikuda. Ah, everybody in Lubavitch talks, and I want to be a Lubavitcher, so I better talk during Kaddish? No. I never, ever, ever saw the Lubavitcher Rebbe talk during Kaddish. Ever. That's Lubavitch. What the Rebbe does is Lubavitch. What the Hasidim do is so the Hasidim have a Yitzhahara just like you. So don't, you don't have to have everybody's Yitzhahara. You've got yours is big enough. You don't need someone else's. Right? Okay? There's no such thing as talking during Kaddish. I heard, I don't know whether it's true because I didn't hear him say it, but I heard from Hasidim who were older than me that the, the Friedrich Rebbe used to say, I don't like people who talk during davening. But even more disappointing to me is the people who go, shh, shh. <laughs> didn't like them either. <laughs> telling other people to be quiet. Now, if people are making a big noise and you can't hear, so then, shh. You ever know, I don't do it, because I always feel bad, because I know that story, but Rabbi Vichlin does it. He probably also knows the story, he just doesn't feel as bad as I do about saying, shh. Right? But when the Chazen hit Shemon Esra, a lot of people keep davening out loud, so that it's bothersome to the people davening Shemon Esra. You ever notice when Rabbi Vichlin davens with us, he goes, shh. And then it quiets down. Right. Now, why people didn't notice, I don't know. I guess they're so incredibly intensely involved in the words in their page, and they didn't notice. That they, but then when the Shliach Tzibur hit Shimon Esra quietly, so you should you know, start davening quietly, because people are trying to concentrate on Shimon Esra, and it's nice when it's quiet. Right. Okay, but I don't usually go, shh, just because that story made a great impression on me, and I'm afraid to go, shh, and the Frieda Greb is going to come and throw me out of the room. But Rabbi uh, Vichnin... I don't know. I, I think he's right to say, shh, I just can't do it. <coughs> okay. So, um, said this came when it was necessary. <coughs> it was always there. It just wasn't revealed. There were only a few people who learned it. The famous marshal of the, of the Alta Rebbe, right? The son, the prince was so sick that he needed the the most powerful medicine possible. What was that? Well, he had to grind up the jewel in the king's crown. What's that? Panimi Satara, the most special, hidden, esoteric Torah, which only the greatest people up until that time learned. <coughs> to take that and grind it up and put it on the, on the, on the tongue of the, of the prince. It might be some of it falls on the ground that people don't appreciate it. And the story of Pinchas of Karet saw Ksavim, he saw writings of the Maggid blowing in the wind on the ground. He was so upset. Look, what, look what's happening in Chassidus. It's on the ground. He shouldn't teach it to people who leave it around. No, no, okay. But the Alter Rebbe said, no, 
you have to that that's that was the mashal the altar every gave through a pinchas that you have to you know, they, they're dying without that little piece that might get in their mouth. <coughs> that's penimis atar. Mashenkein a beater shall you they penimis atar mekaven she penimis atar he ilana dechayis since it's the tree of life sheena milaveshes b'teivera doesn't talk about teivera it talks about the teiv. Why? I mean, it might talk about what klipa is in order to understand kedusha, but generally, most of Chassidus is not talking about klipa and is not talking about negative states of reality. It's talking about elokos. That's what it talks about. Right? If you learn the Rebbe's Chassidus, something that you will notice, you know, if you notice things, you'll notice something. The Rebbe almost never talks about the Yitzhahara and the Nevesh it was never. What do you talk about all day? Never sell keys. Every now and then he'll mention the Nevish Bahamas. The Kluger. The clever one, you know, the one who tries to trick you. Right? Generally, what's the Rebbe talking about? Never Nevish Bahamas. Never sell keys. Godly so. And Nevish Bahamas, I don't I don't need I don't need someone to tell me that I have a Nevish Bahamas. I that, that's I'm you know, I've got a postdoc in Nevish Bahamas. Right? What do I need someone to remind me of constantly? I never say lukis. Lukus. That's, you know, physicality. Rebbe once said as a, as a, as a joke, they were smiling when he said it in Febreng, and he said that <coughs> to today, so in, before you, Mesa Mashiach, <coughs> excuse me. So Metzius is Bepashtus. Existence is obvious. Physical created existence is obvious. And elokus, godliness is bihishadshus. Godliness is something novel, something you have to learn about to understand and, and, and appreciate. Right? It says, Mashiach. Elokus will be bapshitus. Elokus will be obvious. And metzias, physical reality, will be bihishadshus. You have to remind yourself of the existence of physicality. I mean, in this room, what's in this room right now? Elokus and Gashmis. Right? They're both here. Which is here more, more or less? I mean, they're both here. Which one are we obviously sensitive to? The Gashmias. Which aspect of reality are we not necessarily sensitive to? The godliness that's bouncing around this room and is responsible for, every, for the existence of every little piece of Gashmias in the room. That we might not be as sensitive to. Okay. The Yemesim Mashiach will be exactly the opposite. We'll be sensitive to the Elokus and we won't be so sensitive to the Gashmias. Rebbe smiled and said, maybe we'll have to learn physics before davening in order to know that I could put my book on the table and it'll stay there. <laughs> now I have to learn metaphysics before davening, so I'll know that there's actually a being that I can talk to when I open up the book. There's actually someone there I'm talking to. It's not some myth. No, there's really a God. Whether there's really a world, that's a question, but there's really a God. Okay. So I have to sensitize myself to that. So <coughs> that's Ilona Dechaya. <coughs> There's no Teiv It's just Teiv. Halakuz. <coughs> Therefore, the rectification, that's brought about to this, it's not three Slavshus. We're not involved in physicality like we are when we're learning Nigla. So up until this point in Ois Gimel, what has the Rebbe done? Explain that in the beer of Menucha, there are these two levels. 
There's the level of the birur of nigla, which is Torah, and the Rebbe spends a great deal of time explaining that it's Torah. Why? Well, because I might think that it's something else because it's so completely connected to Gashmias. No. It's all elokus. Except it's undergone some sort of yurida, but interesting enough, what word does the Rebbe put after the word yurida? Kaviachol, so to speak. It's not really a yurida, it just appears to be a yurida. A descent. Why? Because it's connected to Gashmis. It's connected to physical reality, the Torah. So it seems to be very physical. Right. Okay. And then there's Panimi's Torah, which isn't connected to physicality at all. <coughs> Every now and then, <coughs> certain aspects of Hasidus explain levels of Elokus responsible for the physical world. Okay. But much of this is explaining levels of elokus that have nothing to do with the physical world. Completely beyond. It's called a scholar. It's just describing levels of godly reality. Levels of godliness that have nothing to do with the world. Completely transcendent. They're part of this process from Atmos down to slugs leaving slime on the sidewalk. They're, they're part of all of that. But they're just states of godly reality. Right? Okay, so that's the difference between those two levels. Ah, and the Rebbe explains, perhaps we could add, regarding the difference, the true expression of Manucha and Sholem, who Davka is specifically in Pnimi Satara, which is what the Rebbe just said, because after all, in, in Nigla, you are encountering the Gashmis and have to constantly remind yourself of the Elokus in it all. <coughs> so he says something very, very interesting. This is not only, I'm sorry, not only this is not only through the rectification that's brought about through limitatar because when you're learning nigla you're more obviously connected to when you're learning uh, more obviously connected to also in the learning itself meaning what learning nigla you might have noticed What's the Gemara all about? Questions and answers. <coughs> the Torah itself, Nigla itself, is a milchoma. Right? What might Abaya be trying to do relative to Rava's position? Destroy it. <laughs> right? He's battling Rava tooth and nail and will bring a Baraisa in an attempt to completely nullify Rava's position. And then what will Rava do? Show that that Baraisa doesn't completely nullify his position. Okay. Say no. Or doesn't nullify it in any way, shape, or form because he can explain the Baraisa. Usually by differentiating between the case and the Baraisa and the case that he was talking about. <coughs> okay, that's what Gemara is all about. Talimud benigla detaru ba'efin dekushis v'terutzim. The betchilo at the beginning, kasal kedaitech, you had an idea, shesvara, that the idea, he kach v'kach. Things work this way. And then afterwards, you come to a deeper understanding. And you negate the original premise. Right? You had a certain idea. Right? What might you have thought? It's not true. I just destroyed an idea. That idea. What's that idea? That idea is Torah. 
But I just showed that that idea is not, it's part of Torah, but it's not a part of Torah that is ultimately expressing the truth that I want Torah to express. It's expressing a non-truth, interestingly enough. Even though there might be a, a, a certain level of kedusha in that non-truth also because it's part of Torah, but that, but that halacha, it's not, it, no, it's not there. It's not it. It's not halacha. Ba'ad, to such an extent, until we can actually come to a point, and in the footnote, the rabbi quotes, quotes one particular Gemara, but there's different words. Badusi, I mean, it was silly. The idea was a silly idea. Mamish a battle. The shlilish, shlilas, the negation of svara kademis, the previous svara, who inyan dam l'rev shefachto, right, is the blood, you spilt much blood, and who's being spoken to? Shenemar Gabi David, David Amelech, he's told by Kodesh Baruch, he can't build the base of Mikdash because he spilled a lot of blood. He went to war. Who's going to build the base of Mikdash? The base of Mikdash is a place of Sholem, a place of unity, a place of bringing Sholem bimreimav. Huyase Sholem Aleinu, right? That, that just like there's, there's peace and harmony above in a state of unity, so too that unity will be expressed below. Last week's Parsha, the Yichud of Man Ban, the, the, the unity of, of transcendent and, and imminent reality. Where is that most powerfully expressed? Base of Migdash. Sholem. Absolute Sholem. Who did that? Sholem HaMelech. David HaMelech couldn't. David HaMelech was Nish Melchoma. Which is necessary. That Melchoma was also necessary. But the ultimate beaver is, is, is Sholem. We want Sholem. It might be that it's necessary to have a Milchama in order to come to the state of Sholem, right? But the greatest w- level of Padilla is when it comes through peace, not through war. David Melech was war. Someone said to me, the only, the only Pusik in the Torah, I never checked it out, but I, you know, was someone of standing who you can trust. The only Pusik in the Torah that is Gematria Eretz Yisrael is the Pusik Hashem Ish Milchama Hashem Shemeh in, in, in Shira Sayyam, which is interesting. It's the only pasuk in the Torah that is gematria Yisrael. Yisrael is unfortunately something that we acquire through battle. Dam l'rav shafach. Let's stop in a minute. We'll just find a, a good place to stop. Shenemer gabi david kameshu ba'elam asechel. Right, meaning what? What's what's Talmud Bavli? A battle royal on the intellectual battlefield. Vamitis inyan asholom, the ultimate expression of truth, who dafku bepinimisata. Right? Specifically, pinimisata. The lace taman lekushi vile machlekes. It says in the Zaya regarding pinimisata, there's no questions and there's no, there's no disagreements. Pinimisata. Now and then, it, it, sometimes in Kassidus it'll explain different understandings of particular aspects of godly reality. It's not like there's mamish and machlekes and they're fighting each other and trying to show each other the position to just. Generally, Chsidis will ask a question, a basic question in trying to understand something, and answer the question very simply, without, without a battle, without conflicting forces coming to show that the original understanding was wrong. That's the way Chsidis works. V'yesh Leymar. So in other words, the way you learn Panimi is different than the way you learn Nigla, just, be, just because of the nature of the learning. Pneum Satara doesn't deal with the physical reality. <coughs> so the learning is completely peaceful. 
Nigla does deal with physical reality, even though it deals with physical reality on the level of Torah, but it deals with physical reality. So the learning is somewhat combative. You don't usually see Chavrusas learning Hasidus yelling at each other regarding how they're trying to understand something. Whereas that's very common in people learning Gemara. It's not bad. Why? Because they're passionate about their ideas. Ah, it's not the Pshat. Why could you say that's not what the Gemara is asking? And they're going at each other. Right? Okay. Fine. Don't worry. Hopefully they're battling it out. If not, then there's not enough passion there. If you're passionate about something, you care about it. Let's finish the, the I'm sorry, it's a little late, but we'll, we'll, we'll just finish the paragraph. This differentiation, between the revealed Torah and Pneumis Torah, in the way it's learned, <coughs> which expresses the nature of the Torah itself. He is see, but that's the reason, Lachiluk, the difference, between them, that regarding the rectification that comes as a result of them. The curl pale, anything that causes something, pale it causes it relative to its own reality. So therefore, Panemius is mamish, a deeper state of Sholem than Nigla, because Nigla, how do you learn it? It's the learning of it is a milchama, even though it's Torah, therefore the beer is Derek Manucha, it's calm. Lochain Dafka therefore specifically Panemius Torah, Shaba Atzma, that in itself, Lace Tum and Lake Kushiv, Lemachlaikis, there's no there's no uh there's no questions and there's no disagreements. Gamma bider shall yoda, so too the bider shall yoda, the rectification that happens through it. Hubader shalom amenucha is calm. Okay. We'll do a review of that tomorrow, Gimel Dalit, and then we'll start hey and hey. The Rebbe is going to now divide Pneumis into two pieces, so we're going to end up with three different levels of Torah Galia and three different levels of Pneumis Torah. Does there have to be three? Shlema, first Kufa of Mashiach, and second Kufa of Mashiach.